0: A few months ago, the confirmation students, a couple of rockstar parents and myself went on a confirmation retreat to Lutherwood. We had so much fun. And one of the pieces of the weekend was doing the ropes course. Somehow, I found myself in a helmet and harness on what looked like a giant mobile, having to climb up it. It was made of logs and ropes, and and tires hanging there, just hanging there, and we had to climb to the top. Thankfully, Molly was with me, and she gave me courage and encouragement, and um, we, we were able to do it together, but I have to tell you that this thing was moving, it was very high, and it was terrifying, and I think the worst, worst part of it was in order to get to the next perch, you had to let go of where you currently were. And that was so hard to do when you're swinging up in the air and, um, you have to trust that you have to let go and go to the next level. I think that you can see it a little bit in my face in this picture, how difficult it was for me to consider going to the next level at that point. Um, this this next picture is my favorite because it's super cute of Molly. <laughs> <It's> just, just, <laughs> but we did ultimately make it to the top. We we trusted, we let go, and we leveled up all the way up, and we did it together. In our gospel this morning, Jesus shows the disciples and us that leveling up means we have to let go. Peter, who was praised in our last week's text as the rock on which Christ would build the church, had decided that he was going to give Jesus a little feedback on Jesus' plan. Now, Jesus had just shared with them exactly how intense uh, it was going to get when they went to Jerusalem and exactly what he was going to have to do as far as being being sacrificed and dying and and all of those pieces. And so Peter was like, yeah, you know, I don't really think this is a good idea. You know, we, we kind of have this plan of you as the conquering hero and liberating everyone from Roman occupation. This probably isn't the path that we want to take. He was not down. Uh, This is not how we should get here. He told Jesus. And Jesus' rebuke of what Peter had to say was swift and severe. Get behind me, Satan. Now, two things are really interesting about Jesus' statement. First, he likened not following the way of vulnerability, sacrifice, and suffering to choosing the demonic. That's escalating things quickly, right? It's one thing to say, thanks for the suggestion, Peter, but I don't think we're going to do that. Or, I prefer to try another way. But to say it's evil and demonic is pretty intense. The second interesting thing in this statement is that he tells Peter to get behind him. He was putting Peter in his place, saying, you're not the lead here. You're meant to pay attention, to let go, and follow me, even if it's scary. You're not to get ahead of my leading, ever. You may as well be a stumbling block in the way of the kingdom of God if you do. If we are unable to let go of our comfort and stability and best laid plans and let go to get to that next level and follow Jesus, we may as well be in God's way. Those are harsh words, but important ones. They remind me of the verbiage that we sometimes use in our confession of forgiveness in which we repent of the things that we have done and those things that we have left undone. When we fail to let go of our past and embrace healing and freedom. When we fail to stand in solidarity and service with others. When we neglect the work that God has called us to. When we think more of our own comfort than the needs of others. All of these times, we actually get in the way of Jesus. We're not behind him, we're on our own. Thankfully, this morning's epistle provides more concrete direction on what it looks like to let go, level up, and bring the kingdom of God. This passage preaches all on its own, it's beautiful. It reads, let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's a beautiful passage. In short, it tells us to live a life of love and generosity that is focused on others and not ourselves, to live in positivity and encouragement, to live in abundance, to live in reconciliation and peace. I think the only part of the scripture that sometimes trips us up a little bit and needs a little unpacking is that piece about the burning coals. How many of us really secretly love the idea of getting to stick it to those who have caused us harm and heap burning coals on their head? It's a pretty human desire to lash out at those who have hurt us. The cycle of escalating violence, however, only proves to create more violent and a hateful world, and that's not the way of God. Jesus shows us a different way with his life, death, and resurrection. So in this scripture, when they're talking about heaping burning coals on the heads of their enemies, um, it's referring not to punishing one's enemies, but rather a way to bless them. So in the first century, cities had walls all around them, and if folk were traveling through or they were homeless or very poor, they had to live outside of the walls, and then they relied on the charity of those on the inside for, for some of their basic needs. So fire was life in the first century. It was used to cook food. It provided much needed warmth during the cold desert nights. It scared off anything that might come around and um, any critters that might be dangerous. And there were no matches or lighters at that time. So people relied on burning coals to start and keep their fires going. Generous and loving people inside the walls then would give burning coals from their own fires to help those on the, outs, on the outside stay warm and fed. And the way that they transported these coals was in bowls on top of their head. So to heap burning coals on someone, someone's head was to provide them warmth, sustenance, and life, not revenge. Paul invites us, as Jesus does to let go of our self-centeredness, our sense of being wronged, our guilt, our righteous indignation, our best laid plans, our own hoarded commodities, our distaste for sacrifice, and level up to bring the kingdom of God. Picking up our crosses and following Jesus is more terrifying than climbing up a giant wood and tire mobile. But if we are able to let go and trust the next steps through God's grace and follow Jesus, we get to see God's kingdom come. Will we do it perfectly? No, no. But through God's grace and power, we will see it. At the end of the scripture of our gospel this morning, Jesus says that there are some within the sound of his voice who will not die before they see God's kingdom. And I think he was not talking about some kind of eschatological promise of his return. He was not speaking about the rapture or anything dramatic and grand. I believe that he was speaking to ordinary transformations. Blessing our enemies. Feeding the hungry. Waging peace in the face of violence. Living in radical welcome and equality being who God made us to be, being the answer to our own prayers through God's strength. This is a time of disruption and change all over the world. It's time for the church to show and be the kingdom of God. May we see and exhibit glimpses of the kingdom as we follow the way of Christ. Letting go and leveling up, trusting God every step of the way. Amen.